Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. In this episode, we're going to be talking about a topic that may or may not affect you directly, but I strongly suggest listening and sharing as every listener, including myself, is sure to learn important information from our guest in the studio on how to support friends, family, and clients who are plus-sized and on their journey to parenthood. Joining me is certified childbirth educator, wife, and mother to a charismatic eight-year-old, She's a published author, speaker, and founder of Plus Size Birth, and she's also the host of the popular podcast, Plus Mommy Podcast. Jen McClellan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. It finally worked out. We've yes. been talking about it for a long time. <laughs> yes. And I think what you have to offer is really, really unique and important and uh, under-discussed, so I'm really honored to have you here today. Thank you. Before we get into your empire, <laughs> let's go back to the beginning. I mean, I'm sure when you were a kid, you didn't think, when I grow up, I'm going to be the prominent plus-size parenting educator on the internet. Where did you grow no. up? How did it all get started? <laughs> I grew up here, actually, in Southern California, so even identifying as plus-size would have been my worst nightmare, so it's been quite the journey. Oh, yeah. Plus-size here is medium. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. That's how I, I feel about it. Um, uh, so you grew up in Southern California. Yeah. And what was your path previously? My professional career background was working in end-of-life advocacy work. So I went from you know the, the death industry to the birth industry, which has had so many beautiful crossovers, but nowhere in my life did I think I'd be talking about birth and mm -hmm. being a blogger full-time. Yeah, both of those are interesting things that I think when we were kids, nobody really talked about. Absolutely, yeah. As a career path. Um, I assume you got more into this as you went through your own pregnancy journey. Yeah, when I found out I was pregnant, I went online and Googled plus size and pregnant and then read all these terrifying things that I would develop complications and I would have a cesarean birth. And thanks to the comment sections <laughs> in 2010, I read that I was a horrible person for wanting to become a mother as a fat woman. And it was so devastating and hard to find any positive information. Oh, my. I'm so sorry. That's, yeah. uh, that's pretty awful. It was. It what really were you looking for, though? I mean, 
mean, at the base, I was looking to find pictures on Google of people my size pregnant. Oh, like just looking was, for what it would look yeah, like. Yeah, or, or what, where to find plus-size maternity clothes and really what were the things that I needed to be aware of. And I wanted some kind of positive or negative, but it was just negative article after negative article after negative article. And were you able to find information before your baby came? Well, thankfully, when I was five months pregnant, uh, I was doing water aerobics with a friend, and she's like, I hired a doula. And I, you know, doing our little calisthenics was like, what's a doula? <laughs> and that changed everything. And I know that's the story of quite a few people on your show, too. And this was the first time that someone walked into my pregnancy journey and was basically like, why do you assume that you're high risk? Why do you assume that all these things are going to happen to you? Like, you just told me you're obsessed with water aerobics, you're eating so healthy, like you should have a home birth. And I was like, wait a minute, which is great for anyone else. But for me, I didn't trust my body. I was waiting for my body to fail. Um, but thankfully, I switched to a midwife, uh, a hospital midwifery program at Denver Health, which has one of the lowest cesarean birth rates in the nation. Oh, wow. And it was amazing to go from these 15-minute appointments with an OB that was like, we're just glad you're 30. We'll see how your pregnancy progresses <laughs> to 45 minutes with this midwife, which at the age of 30 was the first care provider to ever touch my body with compassion. Mm. And she believed in my body's ability more than I did. And so I started to believe. Did you have any health problems going into the pregnancy? I didn't. I had always been a big girl, but a healthy girl. And so that's why my mom had a natural childbirth. And it just was like, well, I, I guess I'm going to have a natural childbirth. I didn't really know what I was getting into. But I knew that I wanted control over my body. I was really afraid of people having to move my body for me. And when I found out I was pregnant, I weighed 299.9 pounds. So oh, was, my God. That's my goal weight. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know, this big woman that was afraid of not being in control. And I really wanted that. But I believed that I could be healthy. And I really was very proactive with my health. Yeah. I mean, everything you're saying sounds like you're you were active. Yeah. Strong. Yeah. Um in ways that people generally may not be. Yeah, I mean, I was doing things that, you know, I remember my doula was, I lived in Colorado at the time, she's like, you know, you're healthier than a lot of my, you know, CrossFit Boulder moms. And, and I had never heard that message, really, that you could be fat and healthy. I wasn't exposed to the health at every size movement at the time. I had just so grown up with that. I think, you know, it's a mentality everywhere, but especially in Southern California, that because I was fat, I was always different, I wouldn't belong. And I was always, you know, trying to keep up with the Joneses and never really felt like I could fit in. I sort of joke with my CrossFit friends. <laughs> I do CrossFit all the time because I don't want to go because I like I stand out in CrossFit. Yeah. Um, I'm a plus size daddy, by yeah. the way, because our listeners can't see. And I'm like, you need to do like one day a week where it's not like super muscular ripped people and just have a class where bigger people are comfortable coming because yeah. we we need the workouts too, Absolutely. if not more. And I'm like, we could just call it CrossFat if it helps you out. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know. You're going to start so, something new. Yeah, I'll look come at that. to CrossFat. Sign okay. me up. <laughs> look, I'll tell them we already have two of us. Um, yeah, so when you were with your obstetrician before you switched to midwives, did they also, like Google, give you like gloomy reports? 
No, but I never felt empowered. I never felt inspired. I just literally felt like I think most people do nowadays that I had my 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I knew sometimes it took longer with the ultrasounds and they needed me to move around more. And sometimes it took longer to get the heartbeat, but they never shamed me. They just, they never inspired me. And that's something that we're lacking across the board. Right. I think that's important that you're saying that because I think a lot of people feel that way, the way the medical system's just set up in general is not really to be nurturing and spend time with you and address how you're feeling. It's just sort of like this measure, checkbox, checkbox, Mm -hmm. checkbox, move on. Yeah. And so when you move to midwives, it's, yeah, it's a whole different, we say it on the podcast all the time, instead of waiting an hour for a five minute visit, you wait five minutes for an hour long visit. Yeah, it was Um, life changing. I mean, it changed not only how I felt about my body, but it made me realize that I deserved healthcare that was compassionate and dignified and evidence-based. I think, yeah, everybody does. Yes, we all do. So in terms of being larger in pregnancy, did they see anything that would need to be done differently? Was there any like talk of risk or? Yeah. So I remember with my OB, you know, we did the early gestational diabetes test, which they never explain. Actually, we're just testing to see if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic. So that's pretty standard. For everybody. Well, for people with a higher BMI, you get tested very early on oh, in pregnancy. Oh, instead of 28 weeks. Yeah. And then you're you. tested again when gestational diabetes would show up. So that was standard. I remember with my midwife, we just had conversations about nutrition and physical activity that weren't because you're fat. It was like, so tell me about what you're eating and how active you're being. And I brought the questions to the table of, oh, I read online that big girls have big babies. And she would look at me and she would smile. And she's like, that's what your hips are for. You've got this. And (laughs) so it was that kind of reaffirming. She was still looking out for things. I gradually lost weight throughout my pregnancy, which is not uncommon Mm -hmm. for people of size. You definitely want to monitor weight gain. But it was never a focus of, oh, uh, you know, we don't want you gaining a lot of weight. It was like, yeah, your body is doing what it needs to do because you're being proactive with your health. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of the pregnancy, you're gaining baby and losing weight. Yeah, I lost 18 pounds total. But I mean, I was just like this big round belly. (laughs) But I would suppose most people gain somewhere between 25 and 40 pounds. So that's, you know. If you add it up, you ended up around 40 pounds behind where you might have otherwise ended up. Yeah, I think for the first time. Did you feel better at the end of pregnancy? Oh, I felt amazing because, again, I was being really good physically active. I did prenatal yoga, but I was also eating intuitively. I wasn't dieting for like the first time in my life. I was like, oh, my body wants watermelon instead of, you know, whatever. It was just like, what does my body want? And I'm going to give it to it while being mindful of making healthier options. Uh, but not dieting. And that was so cool to realize like, wow, if I listen to what my body wants and needs, I feel better. And I, my body, I was glowing. I loved being pregnant. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's so, uh, all of us need to listen to that inner voice, but I think mm-hmm. the inner voice is so clouded by outside information. Eat this, eat that. Yes. And then advertising that was like, eat us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, I don't hear my inner voice. And then, it, you know, also my nutritionist would say things like, you should have more colors in your food palette. Um, then everything will be okay. I'm like, you don't get me. Yeah. So I tried having the rainbow sprinkles on my donut. <laughs> no change. No change. No change at all. And then my wife really did me in because we had a baby and then she insisted on getting pregnant again before I lost all the pregnancy weight from the first <laughs> baby. And then it was uphill downhill from there. 
Uh, how was the end of your pregnancy? And, and you were with a midwife, so at a hospital, that's generally a more natural birth as a, the plan that you went for? Yeah, I went to this hospital, which is outstanding. And, you know, obviously you can have work with OBs or midwives, but they work collaboratively. And it's been oh, that's really just, cool it's too. an outstanding facility. And so I knew I wanted to have a natural birth and everything was great. I was healthy. and For you, does, I mean, natural means different things to different oh, people. So. Unmedicated. Okay, um, so vaginal and unmedicated. Yes, yeah. I knew that the cesarean birth rate is astronomical for people of size. So I was really trying to do everything I could to set myself up for being able to have a vaginal birth. But I definitely wanted unmedicated as well. Why unmedicated? I mean, it's just not that common anymore. So usually if you want that, there's something driving it. My mom, she had natural births. And again, like I said earlier, I just really was afraid of people having to move my body for me and me not having control over oh, my body. Even if, if you're like sort of paralyzed from the medication. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a big girl and I was I was nervous of people maybe saying things or making me feel badly about myself. Yeah, that makes sense. So how did your labor start? Uh, just overnight, three weeks early. I Yeah, my water broke. It was a surprise. And I, I remember pacing around the dining room table for hours thinking, oh, this will stop soon. And then hours later being like, I don't want to start all over again. We should probably call the doula. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it, I just went into labor naturally on my own. So your contractions started too? Yeah, um, <laughs> half an hour after I after your water, water broke. broke? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, exciting. Um, did you have your backpack? Or three weeks early? Is... Nope. We right. had just gotten the car seat installed, and that was about it. Oh, so my <laughs> husband was running up and down the stairs, <laughs> panicking, trying to time contractions. I'm walking around in a circle. Uh, yeah, I had. Let me just tell you, I had some really cute undies packed in my bag <laughs> yeah. that I would have not selected for myself <laughs> after giving birth. They were like ruffly, and I'm like, uh. nice. Good job, honey. But my my son's going at home outfit is the most mismatched, just hilariousness. But, you know, it, it all worked out the way it should have. And I, I wouldn't take it back except for those undies. So. Well, I came three weeks before the due date as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. So but hopefully your kid will turn out better. Than uh, all right. I want to find out more about your birth experience. But we are going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Jen McClellan. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Balm. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Balm, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome 
Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We are talking to Jen McClellan from Plus Size Birth and Plus Mommy Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you. Cliffhanger. So you're <laughs> in the, your water breaks, your labor starts spontaneously on its own. Yeah. We, How does it progress from there? I'm a really nice person and didn't call my doula in the middle of the night because I didn't want to bother her, which don't do that. If you're listening and you're pregnant, don't do that. No. Call your doula. That's what we're there for. I know, right? Yes. It's actually worse. I know. When she you was call, mad. Yeah. <laughs> So we finally called in the early morning hours and, you know, I had spent hours afraid and with my husband, but I felt alone in many ways and he wasn't making sure I was taking in fluids. You know, I was just pacing for hours. So she was like, immediately get her fluids, try to get her eating. And do you want me to come to the home or the hospital? And I wanted to go to the hospital. I really wanted to be there. It felt like a safe space to me, which I know not everyone can relate to, but that's where I wanted to be. And I'll never forget when I arrived at the hospital, my doula met me there. She took one of my hands within hers, and with her other hand, she just rubbed her index finger down my forehead. And I kid you not, it was like I had been given an epidural. Mm. All of those hours of early labor by myself were so tense and scary. But the minute she was with me, I no longer really thought about pain. I mean, yes, contractions happen later, but I just felt safe, and I felt secure, and it was really a powerful experience. It's really incredible to watch somebody in labor who doesn't feel safe. Yeah. And the same person in labor, even if it's hours later when things are like, quote unquote, more intense, right? But she feels safe. Yeah. It's night and day. One looks violent and just awful to watch. And it looks like it feels awful. And then one of them looks almost magical. Yeah, and peaceful. Yeah. And peaceful, even though it can be more intense. Yeah. So it's really important. You said some people feel very safe at home. Mm-hmm. Some people feel very safe at the hospital. Yeah. And it's wherever you can get to your safety zone is where I think your body's going to relax enough to switch from violent to peaceful. Absolutely. If that's in the cards for you. And then having your doula there is just uh, icing on the cake. I mean, yes. Um, that It's funny. I was uh, sometimes I do body work at birth. So I'm lucky enough to be at birth with these really amazing, well seasoned doulas. And I get to just be a fly on the wall and watch them do their magic. And there's this one doula that she she works a lot with them doing hypnosis mm-hmm. during the pregnancy, but it's like a Jedi mind trick. She touches that third eye space on yes. the forehead, and it's like picking a cat up by the scruff of their neck. Mm-hmm. Mama just totally relaxes and, and lets go. And it sounds like you had that kind of moment also. I did, and it helped me because once we were in triage, the midwife was not very kind to me. Um, she, This was the only time I felt mistreated during my birth. She was frustrated that I was severely dehydrated. You know, she wanted me to put on the hospital gown. And when you're a big girl, the gowns are not very accommodating or you get the bariatric bed sheet. And my doula just looked at me and smiled and said, Jen, didn't you bring what you wanted to wear? And that's when it started to hit me. Oh, I'm in control of this situation. Yes. Then thankfully, we were brought upstairs to labor and delivery And I'll never forget my amazing midwife during my prenatal care had let this other midwife named Moggie know about me. And Moggie is a little bit plus size. So when I got upstairs to labor and delivery, outside of my room was Moggie. And she was standing there. She took both of my hands within hers and said, I've heard so much about you, and I'm so glad you're here, welcomed me into my labor and delivery room. And it, I kid you not, it was like I was brought into this like birth cocoon where Moggin was my care provider the whole time. My nurse was the same nurse the whole time. They were so respectful and so loving and so caring. And I felt so secure. And it was 
it was an amazing experience. That sounds really beautiful. Yeah. And important, I think, for people to hear, because a lot of our clients do home birth and a lot of our guests talk about home birth. It's important to hear that you can have a really beautiful, you know, respectful yeah. uh, birth at a hospital where you do feel empowered and you do feel in control. And there was just some, there was some magic in that room. I tell you, I um, talked to the midwife who we went out to lunch after, and you'll hear more of the birth story that changed my whole life. But um, she told me that she was supposed to leave. Her friend went into labor <gasps> and she was supposed to leave, but she knew there was a reason why she needed to stay with me. And it gives me chills because... You know, what happened during my birth is it was beautiful. My doula supported me and everything was great. It was my mom arrived on a one-way plane from California to Colorado with two hours to spare. Like everything just flowed out beautifully. But at the very end, when it was time for me to birth my baby, my midwife said, climb up on the bed on your knees. And I got in my on my knees and then I was facing the wall. So I wasn't facing the circus that arrived behind me because my son was early. I didn't see anyone else. My doula had counter pressure on my back. My midwife was there supporting me. And it was the most transformative and powerful position for me to be in. Because throughout my pregnancy, I had researched, you know, natural childbirth and labor positions, but I didn't think about actually giving birth because I was so afraid to be so exposed and to be so vulnerable. And my legs are big, so can I put them in the stirrups? And what will people think of my big body on display? And here I was not on display. And my midwife kept the bedsheet over my bottom, and then when I would push, she'd bring it down. So I still felt that security each time in between. And my husband caught our son. I mean, it was just the most powerful and profound moment. And I'll say before Brayden was born, my doula whispered to me, it was just like, trust your body. And in, for one moment, I was just like, trust my body. I have never trust my body. Oh. And I knew that I had to let go of all these messages in my head. And I just had to allow my body to birth my baby. And I did. And I did it on my knees. And it just changed everything. Oh, that's incredible. Um, first of all, you talk about it like it happened yesterday. Yeah. I mean, I just see you reliving it. Yeah. And it's amazing. And now I feel like a fly <laughs> in the wall at your birth. It's interesting because as a big dude, I, you know, a lot of things go through my mind all the time. Like, oh, uh, we'll go eat somewhere and they have these little stick figure chairs. I'm like, oh. Yeah, or tiny booths. <laughs> I don't know. If, yeah, a tiny booth. Yeah. I'm like, ah. Uh, and the table's cemented down. You know, mm -hmm. it doesn't move. I'm like, I don't know if that chair was meant for me. And so I'm always thinking about that. And for medical stuff, even more so. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. so it makes sense that you would have all these, you know, concerns, fears about how it would be for you. And yeah. it sounds like they just made it amazing. They did. It was so incredible. And I was so respected. And I've told people of all sizes about my birth. And they're like, wow, I wish I was that respected during my birth, too. That's so incredible. Um, all right. So after your baby was born. Your blog was born. It really was. I I settled into motherhood, although I joke I'm still settling in and my kid is eight. But uh, he was born in August of 2010. In April of 2011, I started my blog because I wanted to tell my story. Surely I couldn't have been the first fat woman to have a vaginal birth, but it sure <laughs> seemed that way on the Internet. And I just wanted there to be a different narrative and have positive information. I had no idea what I was doing and what would unfold, but I really felt compelled to tell my story. I'm glad that you did. Um, it's also, to a degree, I think that there are niches within pregnancy and childbirth, like when people have twins. You know, all the advice that you get for a singleton baby pretty much doesn't apply 
yeah. when you're having twins. So where do you go for that information? It's different. We're, there's things different about having multiples. There's things different for different categories. But there's things different for people who have diabetes in pregnancy. Yes. There's a lot of things that are just different. And it's hard to get good niche information, especially, like you said, positive. Because if you Google it, you're going to be really sad. Yes. So... I mean, how many people are really affected by being plus size? Where does that start? Yeah, I think there's this assumption that it's only people that exist in much larger bodies like mine. But if we look at, especially in the United States, statistically, 60% of women in their childbearing years are classified as overweight or obese. So we're actually looking at the majority. So we need to be having these conversations. So what you're saying is I really need to do an episode on people who are not plus size for that small niche group. (laughs) Tell me some of the things that you're asked, because you're all over. You you talk and lecture everywhere. You're on the internet, which is everywhere. Yes. Um, and so you're the person. You're like the go-to person who, who collects this information and, and interacts with people seeking this information yeah. in a positive way. What are some of the more common things, let's say, either through the various stages of conception, pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, or questions that come up for you? Someone who's listening right now who's a plus-size mom what kind of things would be important for them to know? Sure. I, the number one question I always get is, where can I find cute and affordable plus-size maternity clothes? <laughs> so I have to put that out there. There are definitely resources. As plus-size women, you'll be surprised how long your actual clothes will last. But the second question that I get asked, which I'm so glad, and it's happening more and more often, and I've been doing a lot of advocacy around it, is where can I find a size-friendly care provider? And that is a game changer. After doing this work for eight years and being a certified childbirth educator, you know, we can talk about nutrition and being physically active and all those things that are important regardless of your size during pregnancy. But when you are plus size or if you're a doula supporting people of size during pregnancy, helping them to connect with someone who practices compassionate, evidence-based care can make all the difference. Because I hear horror stories every single day of people being told on their first prenatal visit, well, because of your BMI, you need to have a cesarean birth, Mm -hmm. which is not evidence-based. It's not an ACOG recommendation. And our cesarean birth rate for people with a BMI over, what is it? Over 35, I'm pretty sure, is about 45%. And with a BMI over 60, it's 80%. Are there, you know, like, let's say someone has a breech baby. So... They're usually recommended to have a cesarean because we're trying to avoid two specific potential complications. Um, It doesn't really mean everybody has to have a cesarean, but that's the way it's gone. Are there specific risks to delivery with a higher BMI that we're trying to mitigate? Or is it just not even theory? It's just like, no, you're outside the box, so you're going to have a C-section. You know, shoulder dystocia and soft tissue dystocia are there with a slight increased risk. But when I say slight, it's still very minimal. Mm -hmm. So a lot of... Dystocia because we're expecting a bigger baby? Yes. Well, fetal microsomia and, you know, gestational diabetes, fetal microsomia and all of these things we're looking for. But more often than not, you hear the story of a person of size being told, oh, your baby's so big, you have to have a cesarean. I get these stories all the time on my podcast. How big was your baby? Seven, Seven pounds. Yeah. yeah. Every day so there's hand. there's a clear bias in our medical community against people of size and their ability to endure labor and go through labor. And, you know, Dr. Berlin, there's so much of a 
setting up people's sides for failure to progress by things that are happening during labor that are leading to this more higher cesarean birth rate. So then care providers, well, you know, if most of my patients have a cesarean birth, then you might as well just have one now rather than go through labor. I mean, it's there's just so much happening that is very frustrating. Sure, and they also they use terminology because there's only two types of C-section in the nomenclature. There's the scheduled cesarean mm-hmm. and there's the emergency, emergency yeah. cesarean. But there should be a middle ground that's a non-scheduled, non-emergency. Yeah. But there isn't. So you're told either we'll schedule it or you'll have an emergency. I mean, yeah. And I support people to choose whatever path is best for their birth. But, you know, cesarean birth recovery has way higher increases, especially of infection for people of size who have a pendulum belly. And, you know, those are things that we're not talking about. Much higher rates of induction for people of size that leads to the higher rate of cesarean. Mm-hmm. There's just so much happening that is why working with a size-friendly care provider that's going to follow someone through the trajectory of their pregnancy and work on an individualized level and see what's best for them, not from the standpoint of, you know, well, we need to have a cesarean or we need to do an induction with everyone who has a high BMI, but works with people on an individual basis. So I think what I hear you saying is probably true in many categories, (laughs) which is that if you have a thing Finding a care provider who is evidence-based around your thing is going to be what gives you the most options and give you the most empowerment when you're when you're making your decisions. Absolutely. And that's true of everyone. A lot of people just pick, oh, who's a good doctor? Okay, I'll go here. And then it's not until their things come up. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't know you're going to have a thing. Your right. thing might be breach, for example. Yeah. You don't know that it's going to happen until the end. Um, your thing might be your fluid's a little higher, your fluid's a little low. Your thing, maybe you do know it going in that you have, uh, you're prone to higher blood pressure or you develop gestational diabetes or anything like that. But if you're a bigger person, you're going to be in labor, then if you want choices, you need to find providers that are going to give you those choices. Yeah. And I would even go so far as to say not only providers, but look at the options at the medical facility. You know, fetal monitoring is very it's harder for people of size and it's frustrating for the nurses. So asking, you know, if I have a choice in medical facilities, does one have wireless monitors, especially Novi wireless is designed to work specifically with larger body people. Is it the little Bluetooth? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's the patch system. So asking those types of questions can really help set you up for if you have options of one hospital over another, go for the one that has wireless (laughs) whenever possible. And really, if you can, hire a doula because there's a push to do internal monitoring, which we know adds you know, especially if the water is being broken, you know, increased risk. Internal monitoring because they have a harder time with yes. the external monitoring. Uh-huh. Um, this is really practical and helpful information. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we're going to take one more break and come back with some more important tidbits with Jen McClellan. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We are talking to Jen McClellan, and you've given us some great tips and information, both, I think, for plus-size mommies on their journey and for anybody, whether we're childbirth professionals or partners or other types of providers that work with mommies, with good information. So from your experience and from the questions that you have, because you must get a lot of questions. Yes, yes. All the time. Are there things for the postpartum? 
Yeah, you know, especially for those who do have a cesarean birth is keeping that incision dry. And so if you have a pendulum belly, you know, uh, cloth diapers can be really great. After you get out of a shower, using a hairdryer on cool to make sure you're just completely getting dry is so critically important. With breastfeeding, we do know that the rates are lower for people of size. So there's a study that shows that connecting with an IBCLC and getting continuous care from an IBCLC shows better outcomes for breastfeeding. So if that's important to you, I can't recommend enough putting some money aside for an IBCLC. But there's so much emotional obstacles and body image obstacles that don't get talked about often enough when you are a person of size. And I think that's why when I was pregnant, I searched so much for those images of pregnant people of size. So so knowing that you can take maternity photos and should and, and should embrace your body and spend some time tuning into your body and listening to your body's needs. It can be such an incredible time in your life to let go of so many negative messages that have plagued you, that your body is incapable, that your body is broken, and believe that your body is capable of incredible things. And even if you end up with that cesarean birth, don't allow the messages that you've been told to make you feel ashamed of that outcome. So I think postpartum mental health is so incredibly important throughout pregnancy and postpartum, but focusing in postpartum as well. Um, you brought up breastfeeding and the, the, the success rates are, are a bit lower. Um, why, why is that? We know that um, there are more cases of PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, with people of size that can impact breastfeeding. There's also, I, have to, I hate to say this, but I've heard this before and I dealt with it personally, uh, things that are said when you are larger breasted. And not to say that everyone who is plus size is, but that you might smother your baby. Oh, and fear them. Yeah, a lot of fear, um, not as much support. Even like breastfeeding pillows aren't all size friendly. So I have a resource mm-hmm. on my website for that. Um, but just just not as much resources and support, which which we all need <laughs> throughout parenthood. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think somebody listening who may be having a baby soon I would just wonder, you know, maybe not even have thought about breastfeeding as a potential issue. So yeah. Um, getting support ahead of time. There's a lot of now. There's some online ones too, but there locally there are oftentimes prenatal breastfeeding either classes or consultations. Yes, yes. Tap into those absolutely, and, and it peers. helps not to feel isolated after having a child. <laughs> yeah, because those can be costly, but then you also you can just have peers, other people who have done it successfully. Yeah, and um, can just be there sometimes to talk to. But if you have the means to get your hormones levels checked during pregnancy, and if the care provider has ever mentioned PCOS growing up, if your periods have been wonky, you know, that's something that you definitely are going to want some extra support with an IBCLC around. It's interesting to me that you said that not every breastfeeding pillow is made for all sizes. My first birth, uh, my first birth, my wife's first (laughs) birth that I was invited to attend, (laughs) was long. It was about 42 hours long. Wow. Um, I know people have longer sometimes, but it, that one felt pretty long. Yeah, for that's a long one. Um, it was completely unmedicated except for 800 milligrams of Advil, <laughs> which I kept taking every yes. four hours for my <laughs> dang headache. But when the second baby came along, you know, it was like eight o'clock at night. We were putting our two-year-old to bed. And out of nowhere, my wife gets this big surge. And then 
a few minutes later, another surge, and then a few minutes later, another surge. I was like, wow, it seems like labor might be starting. I was like, you know, let's rest up. It's going to be a long couple of days. <laughs> long story short, we got to the hospital with 18 minutes, like less than three hours total for the birth. And 18 minutes after we got to the hospital, the baby got came out. And it was such a, like we were navigating elevators and hallways, and they just pulled her into the closest room, which happened to be surgical suite. Oh, and um, I think it's because the hospital was full and we couldn't go to triage. We needed to deliver. So yeah. they pulled us into the surgical suite. And because we were going to a surgical suite, they wanted everybody to wear scrubs. Oh, whoa. <laughs> I was like, but we're not doing surgery. Yeah. You know, and we're in there and they're like, you're going to have to, you're going to have to just put it on real quick and then come right in. So they throw our doula and they throw me this zip up scrub suit. One size fits all? Yeah, it does not fit all. <laughs> so our tiny little doula zips it up and runs inside. And I'm unfolding it, and I stick my leg into where the leg is supposed to go. And you know how sometimes the stocking's going to run? Yeah. That's not what happened. This whole thing <laughs> shredded into confetti. Oh, no. I was like, oh, my God, it's not going to work. Yeah. And I could hear things are picking up in there. And I was like... Uh, can I just come in without that thing? Because it's it's not going to fit me. She's like, it's one size fits oh, all. Oh, jeez. And I like picked up some of the pieces and I threw it. I'm like, <laughs> I don't think that's true. I think it's one size fits many. Yeah. Um, but not all. And um, so then the, the resident comes out and she opens up this closet. She's like, here, come, you know, put these on and then come on in. So she gives me a thick pink nursing nightgown. <laughs> that was the first thing. Please tell me there are photographs of this. There is a photograph yes. of this. <laughs> a thick pink nursing nightgown. And I, I haven't said to her as she was going, I'm like, there are slits over the like <laughs> boob spot. Like, don't the bacteria know there's a hole over here? I'm like, we're not even doing surgery. She's like, just put them on and come in. I felt like Woody Allen. I hear my <laughs> wife just getting closer and yes. closer. And I'm not going to make it. So uh, then the other thing she gave me were these two little surgical booties and a hat. So I go to put the booty on my size 15 wide shoe. Yeah. And it's not going to fit. So I like tap open the door. I'm like, do you have any like pink slippers to go with my nightgown? Because <laughs> these booties aren't going to fit my shoe. She's like, just pull it over. Pull it over. And I'm like, there's no way. I'm doing yeah. the math. It's not going to fit. And I'm not missing the birth of and my child. I want to miss the birth. And I'm just thinking, I'm just yeah. going to go in there and do it. But they make you feel like, you know, you can't or you're going to get arrested. Yeah. So then I just quickly, I think, I don't know what made me think this. I'll try to put the hat. It's the same <laughs> material, but it looks bigger. I'll put it on my shoe and it actually fit. Nice. So I go into that closet, get another hat for my other shoe, and I go back to get one more hat for my head, but there are no more hats. <laughs> so the only thing I have to do is to put one of the booties on my head. <laughs> okay, so I finally, I'm all suited up. I got my thick pink nursing nightgown on. I got two I got two hats on my feet and a bootie on my head. And I hear her, they're like, okay, you're getting ready to push now. And I run in there, <laughs> okay? But the thing is, the floor is really polished. And the difference I found besides size between the booties and the hat is that the booties have this rubberized tread. Oh, no. So you don't slide around. The hat doesn't. I slid like I was sliding into home plate. And I just instinctively grabbed the closest thing I could get a hold of, which was the surgical tray with all the medical tools. (laughs) I and the tray went slamming down. Everybody's looking at me, even though she's pushing. Oh, no. Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm like, physically, I think I'm fine. (laughs) Emotionally wounded for life. And I'm just, I'm like, don't mind me. Go back to her. And I crawl across like I'm on the ice skating rink until I get to the bed and I pull myself up and 
my wife is just kind of finishing a push and she just opens up her eyes to just acknowledge. I'm like, baby, you're amazing. You're doing a beautiful <laughs> job. I love you so much. She opens up her eyes just to acknowledge that I exist. And she saw my getup. <laughs> she started laughing so hard. Awesome. The baby literally shot out of her, almost knocked over the doctor who deserved it anyway. <laughs> Just barely caught baby Dina, who, by the way, still has no respect for me at all. <laughs> because the first time she saw me, that's what I was that's wearing. That's what you were wearing. So when you said um, one size does not fit all, <laughs> I mean, I can relate to that. Yeah. And um, I really, this episode and this topic really touches me hard to my heart. Because a lot of the things that I experience as a bigger dude yeah. are things that I keep to myself. I never talk about. And I, I, even as a care provider, I sometimes have bigger women come through the office and I have no judgment on a big dude, Yeah, you know, especially. They, they just are like regular pregnancies to me. There's, I don't see any difference between them unless something comes up, unless yeah. you get a lab test or something like that that comes up. But in their head, they're wondering, hey, is the table sturdy enough for me while he's doing adjustments? Is what is he thinking? Um, yeah. And like you said, things not fitting in the hospital, you know, those mesh underwear, they're like one size fits all. Well, they don't always fit everyone of every size. So those are things you really need to think. I mean, I have articles on everything that you can bring to the hospital when you're plus size or, you know, all that good stuff. But it, it's all these little things that we don't think about, but especially as doulas that are there, like a birth ball, for example, if you've bought your birth ball at Target or Walmart, it often has a weight capacity of 250 to 300 pounds. That's not going to work for all of your clients. You can buy birth balls, exercise balls on Amazon that go up to like a thousand pounds. Mm -hmm. So just being mindful of those things is so incredibly important. I love everything about you. Oh, because you. also as a doula, I've been to the birth where I get in there to do body work. Mm -hmm. And there's no place to sit except the ball. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't trust the ball. <laughs> well, here you'll love this. When people ask me to summarize a size-friendly care provider, I do it simply by talking about a chair without arms. Mm. Being able to go into a lobby of a care provider's office and just know that you are welcome is as simple as having a chair without arms. So you know that you can sit there and your body can fit. So if you don't even fit in the lobby, then will the scale go up to the right size? Will a paper gown fit your body? Will they have a large blood pressure cuff? All of these things are critically important because they not only allow you to receive the best care, they provide you with dignity. My doctor does not have a large blood pressure cuff. Which, oh my gosh, sorry, I'm going to get on my soapbox, so that's ridiculous. They are so inexpensive. They're like $20. And if he's using the wrong, or they're using the wrong size cuff. Oh, my blood pressure is always 200 over 100. You're getting high blood pressure. Yeah. Oh. They, they almost admitted me to the ER. I'm like, guys, I took my blood pressure this morning. Yeah, no. It's normal. <laughs> yeah, if you are working with a care provider that doesn't have a place for you to sit comfortably, and I've had home birth midwives be like, wow, I didn't even think about that for my home office. It's something so simple. And if they don't have the right side blood pressure cuff, then you need to find a new care provider. I love that. And even what you said about the table and the chiropractic table yeah. and the massage table, ours are. Be, and But I have I did it without thinking about them. I did it about thinking about you, me. yeah. I get adjusted on that table and I get massaged on that yeah. table. There's so much to think about. And, mm -hmm. and I think that um, a lot of bigger people just think about these things and are conscious about these things and uh, but only to themselves they don't yeah. talk about these things so god bless you for i'm talking not afraid about it. to talk about it i, I see that <laughs> and not only afraid to talk about it, you've created this um environment so tell me about the different things that you have and how we can access you and learn from you 
Yeah, well, plussizebirth.com is everything, plus-size pregnancy, trying to conceive, postpartum. So it covers everything, not only for people who are pregnant, but care providers and doulas. I have a resource of size-friendly care providers and size-friendly doulas to just help you connect with the right people as well. And I'm all over social media as Plus Mommy. I have a massive community on Facebook, over 177,000. So you are not alone when it comes to being plus size and pregnant. And Instagram at Plus Mommy. Uh, Lots of great resources. And then the podcast, because I want to be cool like you, Dr. (laughs) Berlin. I started a podcast, the Plus Mommy podcast, a year ago, because my kid's eight now. So I got a lot of stuff about motherhood. But I talk about a lot of the things that you address, like just existing in a larger body can be frustrating. And how do we navigate that? How do we stand up for ourselves and advocate for ourselves, not only at the doctor, but just in our everyday lives? It's so important. And how do we talk about being healthy without it only revolving around dieting? which we know dieting doesn't work. Especially the rainbow sprinkles. <laughs> yes. Um, I also, I'm, I'm going to keep going to your website, um, A, because I support so many pregnant women, but also just I found great things for myself, like your flying tips as a bigger yeah. person. Flying well fat. Don't ever feel held back or limited because of your size. I love that. I love everything. Um, about Jen McClellan. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you and all you do too. Oh, thank you. And uh, at home, thanks for listening to us. Let's engage. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Dr. Berlin, D-O-C-T-O-R-B-E-R-L-I-N, or on Facebook at Informed Pregnancy, and online anytime at informedpregnancy.com. I got a whole lot of questions for you This kid's gonna test my will I got a lot to learn and my baby's too <laughs> This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike Dr. Mom Butt Bomb As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.